morning. It occurred to us when we were um, doing our uh, planning our service that uh, it's time for the prayer for illumination and many of us may not even know what that means. So Jan did a little bit of research and here's what we came up with. Many of us don't know the purpose of the prayer for illumination. We wanted to share it with you today, what we learned. Prior to reading the scriptures today, we pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to hear what God is saying to us and to do what God is calling us to do as followers of Jesus Christ. So that the Holy Spirit will illuminate our hearts and minds, now would you please join us in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Father, as we proclaim your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be unleashed in this place. As you dispense your grace to a broken and sinful world, mold us and shape us to be more like you. May your living word change our hearts as we apply them in our daily lives. As these words change us from the inside out, help us to glorify you in all we do. Amen. The scripture today comes from Luke 10, 1 through 12, and then 16 and 17. I'm going to read it. It may be a little different than what's on the screen, but I'm going to read from the Bible. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to, do, to, to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were the instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler, traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But if a town refuses to welcome you, Go out into its streets and say, We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. And then 16 and 17. Then he said to the disciples, Anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects, rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. The title of the message today is Therefore Go with Hope through hospitality. The scripture is the story of when Jesus sent out the 72, how he sent them, what their assignment was, and how to deal with the results. And for each of us, 
how hospitality played a role for them and for us as we reach out to each other and those God calls us to impact. Normally we think of hospitality as how you treat people when they come to your home. But think of HGTV, Martha Stewart, and Pinterest. However, today's message is that plus more, much more. It is also how we receive hospitality from others. Giving and receiving hospitality and how this type of open hospitality can bring hope to people and help all develop a closer relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and God. How do we do both? Give and receive reflects how we live out the calling of God upon our lives. Where does this start? Our starting point is in the Great Commission. The call of God is active and it compels us to live this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the present age. And that's from Matthew 28. Jesus modeled the Great Commission for us as he sent out these 72 that we mentioned in Luke 10. These disciples went out in a vulnerable fashion. It was necessary for them to be open to the hospitality of those to whom they were sent. They stayed with their host. They ate whatever was offered to them. They heard people's stories, responded to the needs, healed the sick, and shared hope that the kingdom of God had come upon them. Did they wait for people to step through the temple doors? No, they didn't. Jesus sent them out to reach out and to receive new people into the kingdom. Go can also mean turn and look at the person next to you. Maybe the person across the street, across the aisle. Who is God leading you to talk to? Perhaps he's asking you to phone somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. Maybe a text. Text opens many doors. <laughs> but who is he asking you, perhaps, to reach out to? It is interesting to note that right before today's text, there is a passage about the three men who thought they might become Jesus' followers. That was when Jesus described the qualifications for discipleship to his would-be followers. He said that if they really, truly wanted to follow him, they had to stop clinging to their past and their own lives, which were holding them back, and they were to immediately go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I've often wondered how we extend and receive hospitality among family, friends, and others. Sometimes it seems that we do it with self-centered motives. We don't feel noticed and we feel wanted or respected. On the other hand, we tend to avoid extending or receiving hospitality among those who perceive that have wronged us, hurt us, betrayed us, turned their backs on us, or those that don't agree with us. Hospitality among friends and family is easy. I sometimes find myself practicing this, thinking I'm doing God's work when really I'm just doing my work. 
I believe God is calling me to do more, and likewise, I'm sure you feel that as well. He wants us to exhibit hospitality to those we have a hard time loving, those who don't look like us or act like us, those who don't have a relationship with him. I often say uh, we're to, to minister to people who their normal is not my normal. He wants us to practice a hospitality that will draw others to him. Hospitality is a way to open, up, open us up to other people and help them to explore this relationship. Through hospitality, we encounter and respond to God, to his call, and find a sense of belonging among the church body, this church body. Laity and clergy working together, we work to live out this mandate of go. We offer and receive hospitality. We can build relationships. We can listen and respond to needs. We create that sense of belonging and share the hope of Jesus Christ. It is how we begin to make disciples in this world, disciples for Jesus Christ, that will transform us, transform them, and transform our world. Are there things that are holding you back from stepping out in this kind of faith? in this kind of hospitality? Do you have attitudes? Is there history that's holding you back? Or some kind of habit of how you look at things? Through hospitality, go into the world in outreach and mission, unhindered by self-centeredness, but empowered by God-centeredness, offering hope through the proclamation of the gospel, seeking, welcoming, and gathering as we offer and receive hospitality to and from those God puts in our path and those not yet in the body. What can hospitality look like? It can be an offer of support in the midst of tragedy. I moved back to Lake Jackson with my wife on July the 4th of 2004, along with my youngest daughter, Meredith. A month later, my wife passed away after a five-year battle with cancer. I was lost, to say the least. Because of our daily trips to MD Anderson and then hospice, we hadn't had time to find a church home. And now I was faced with needing to find a place to celebrate Debbie's life of service to Christ. To complicate matters, I wanted to have a dear friend who was director of Church Army, which is an Episcopal inner-city mission, perform the service and give the eulogy. Close friends at Chapelwood came forward and offered to talk to their pastor about the use of your church for the service. The pastor at the time was Marty Rochelle, and I still remember what he told me. This is God's church, not mine, and you are welcome to use it for Debbie's service. This was a huge relief for me. He was more interested in me than the physical church or control of the pulpit. He was willing to share. He even attended the service. Because of the hospitality shown to me by my good friends, by Marty, and then by many of you, Chapelwood became my church family. It gave Meredith a youth group to be involved with and a chance to go on a chrysalis to encounter Christ in a personal way. It is here that I learned from Peter and Kate, now Josh, and LM about spiritual gifts, community, and taking my next steps in my faith walk, which includes doing whatever LM tells me to do. 
But hospitality doesn't always have to come on the heels of tragedy. It might be simply a well-timed invitation. Along the road of my faith walk, my good friend Orrin invited me to attend small group with him. I agreed because it was their last meeting, so I knew I wouldn't be asked to commit to anything. <laughs> and as Peter can test, uh, attest to, it's pretty hard to get me to commit to anything, <laughs> at least of the church. Well, as it turns out, they, they didn't want it to be their last meeting. They just needed someone else to host in their house. So before I knew it, the Holy Spirit answered in me, I will, before I could stop him. That small group came together as a community, and now we call ourselves a tribe. We're sharing God's banquet table and his word every week with Chapelwood and non-Chapelwood members who attend. Orrin's hospitality resulted in God being more known to me and more involved in my everyday life. Through the hospitality we give and receive in our tribe, we are now making God more known to one another. Because of the hospitality I've experienced and observed at Chapelwood, I know I have a church family that will nurture my Christian life. Good morning, Chapelwood. My name's Jim Hill. You know, even when things are going tough, you can exhibit hardship with joy. Many of you know that earlier this year, I fought a battle with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. My regime for treatment was chemo, and I would go to MD Anderson for six days and receive chemo 24 hours a day, and then I'd go home for 15 days to recover, and then I'd go back to MD Anderson for six days of chemo and home for 15 days. Did that six times. I'm fine now, my cancer is in remission, praise God. But I learned a lot from this experience. I learned that cancer is a great equalizer. You know, when you're in a leaking lifeboat or boat of life, you don't care who's bailing. Doctors are trying to patch the holes, nurses and med techs are handing them tools, you're bailing as fast as you can and you notice that Hey, there's other people in this boat that's got cancer and they're bailing too. And when you meet those people, you, you don't ask, what nationality are you anyway? What religion are you? Do you have enough money to be in this boat bailing with me? Are you a liberal or are you a conservative? What's your views on abortion? on gun control, on gay rights, on immigration, or any of the other divisive issues that we face daily. Nope, you just bail as fast as you can. The person bailing beside you might be the janitor, or they might be the CEO. It doesn't matter. Cancer, and for that matter, any really tough time, is a great equalizer. You've seen that after the floods from Hurricane Harvey. Many, many people in this area working as hard as they can to help the people in need. It reminds me of one of my favorite songs, Pass It On. The first verse goes, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up and it's glowing. 
That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. Well, back to my cancer experience and the spark that kept me going. I guess at that moment in time, my wood was kind of green and probably wet because God didn't just send a spark to get my fire going. He sent a bunch of sparks. <laughs> All kind of hospitality, pure agape love. That love that you can't repay. All you can do is accept it, appreciate it, and then try to pass it on. Philippians 4.13 was given to me early in my battle that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But God moved me back a couple of verses to Philippians 4.10. Hear Paul's words. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, whether it is well, being well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. You know, when bad things happen, out comes the hospitality, the agape love. God provides folks that can and do provide hope through their hospitality. But you know, we can provide that hospitality every day. For me, God sent people with many, many gifts of hospitality. I have a whole basket of cards and letters from people that were trying to encourage me. I've got a devotional book on how to deal with cancer, a prayer shawl, visits from family members and friends, and many of those visits came with a meal. I had the gift of telephone calls from cancer survivors to help me understand what it's going to be like going through chemo. And they encouraged me. I even received a whole bag of ginger chews. It's a little candy that is a miracle drug when you're feeling nauseous. I got a new pillow to help me sleep better. I got blankets that were real soft to keep me warm. I got handmade stocking caps to replace my hair. I got gift cards. I got a multi-use uh, parking token to help with the expensive parking at MD Anderson. And I even got a blanket that a friend had made with pictures of all of my family, including my grandkids. And I used that blanket on my bed at MD Anderson. And it proved to be a wonderful icebreaker when the doctors and nurses came in. They wanted to know about my blanket and my family. Well, what did all this accomplish, all this hospitality? Well, it let, it let me know that God was definitely holding my hand. And as the song says, it made me want to pass it on. So how did I pass it on? 
Well, I decided that I would be as hospitable as I could to the doctors and especially the nurses. And that is always a good idea when you're in the hospital. <laughs> no, it wasn't with gifts. It was with a friendly smile, asking them about their day, asking them about their life outside of MD Anderson. And from this, I received many, many blessings. And let me give you just one example. One of my nurses was from the Philippines. And she went home to visit her family. And while she was there, she noticed that her dad didn't look so good. So she took him to the doctor, and sure enough, he had cancer. So now she faced a very difficult decision. Do I go back to the U.S. to earn money to pay for his treatments, or do I stay here and be his personal nurse? Well, she decided since she had other family members that she'd come back and earn the money to pay for the treatments, which she did. But unfortunately, he passed away, and she wasn't there when that happened. So she told me that now, every time she treats a patient like me, she sees her father. And she's treating her father, giving the care that she couldn't give to him. Well, that was a God moment for me. We prayed together, we cried together, and I'm not sure which one of us was providing the hospitality. I, I guess we both were. But what that did for me, I can sum up in the third verse of Pass It On. I wish for you, my friends, this happiness that I have found. You can depend on him. It matters not where you're bound. I'll shout it from the mountaintops. I want the world to know. The Lord has come to me. I want to pass it on. So how else can this hospitality appear? Let's begin by looking again at how Jesus sent out his 72. He sends them out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That is, he sent them as creatures of peace and gentleness in a world that carries a possibility of harshness, rejection, and maybe even personal endangerment. But despite that possibility, despite the evil ways of the world that they may have encountered, his followers are to go to each house with peace in their hearts. They are to be gracious in every situation, eating and drinking what is provided by their hosts. They are to approach each house and listen for this word, unhurried. Not in a hurry to just get in and out, and I have been guilty of that myself, but rather with an attitude of hospitality and hope and with the mindset that they will minister to the needs of those they encounter in whatever capacity they are called. They are to offer words of kindness, comfort, and healing in one situation. Another, a listening ear. Words of encouragement to a person or family facing grief or pain. 
Sometimes hope through hospitality is the simple act of reaching out to a stranger at the grocery store. My good friend Ginger Deal had gone to HEB to pick up some items during the aftermath of Harvey. She encountered a lady who looked like she was just a little lost. Ginger reached out to her to see if she needed some help since she looked unfamiliar with the store. The lady quickly told her she was from Rockport and then the floodgates opened. She seemed dazed by her situation. She shared that her home had been damaged, her home had not been damaged, but one of her friends' home was gone. She told about her son in Corpus and what they were facing. They talked about 30 minutes. Even though they didn't get each other's names, she was able to help that person and to let her know that she cared and that she was glad she was okay. When she left, she had a smile on her face and seemed more relaxed and a little lighter. So where is God putting you to give and receive hospitality and offer hope? Who are the people around you who might need encouragement? An unhurried visit to know that the kingdom of God is near them. So how are we gonna do this? Who are you gonna call? <laughs> Ghostbusters! <laughs> Holy Ghost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the power? Where's the power and awareness going to come from? As the joke goes, whenever somebody asks you a question at church, what's the answer? Jesus, true. And spiritual discipline is a great place to start. We practice spiritual disciplines to draw closer to God, but we also can practice spiritual disciplines to draw on the Holy Spirit power to love well and to be God's hands and feet in this world. We can draw closer to the Spirit of God who frees us from our defensive and self-protective and self-enhancing ways of relating, and it forms us to live and love more like Jesus. This, at the very least, means to live committed to the well-being of others. That is hospitality. And of course, in these last few weeks, we have seen amazing examples of people reaching out and being the hands and feet of Christ in all kinds of situations. The Cajun Navy, whose motto, do everything with love, share. <laughs> played out on national TV. The Texas Navy, who heeded Joe Emmett's call and came rushing to the aid of a drowning city. The men and women of Las Vegas, who ran into the gunfire to save people, throwing themselves on top of the wounded and dying, stopping the bleeding with their bare hands and anything else they could use. Putting aside our differences, and as Jason Aldean said, time to come together and stop the hate. The list goes on and on, and we've been witnesses to it in, this, in our own body here, in our own fellowship, through all of the response to Harvey. In the name of Jesus, offering and receiving hospitality. It may have looked like mucking. It may have been looking like uh, cooking. It might have looked like having people in your home while their homes were being um, dismantled. But all in all, hospitality offered and received in the name of Jesus. True hospitality, then, is to live so that we reveal the love of Christ to others. You know, most people will never 
see the larger story that God is telling unless Christians make the story visible by how we relate to each other. And together, laity and clergy, together, we can walk the road to make that change. God makes great souls and souls that love greatly. And we live, as we live in community with the Trinity and with each other, we are fellow travelers on this road. We are called by God and commissioned by Christ to travel north, south, east, and west of our buildings, offering hospitality and welcoming in the name of Jesus Christ. We are called to offer hope to men, women, older people, baby boomers, millennials, and children. We are called to welcome our neighbors with open arms and gathering all into God's beloved community into one beautiful and diverse body of Christ. On Laity Sunday, we celebrate that we are all called, laity as well as clergy, to go and make disciples. We are called to be the church together in a world so desperately in need of hope. How is God calling you to go?